Pro Group Management. Workers' Comp that works for you. Welcome to Nevada Newsmakers on the broadcast today. James Settlemeyer joins us. He's director of the Nevada Department of Conservation and Natural Resources. Here for the whole show on an all-new Nevada Newsmakers. Welcome to the Winnemucca Big R. Hi, I'm John Walker. Welcome to Big R Love Lock. Hi, I'm Rich Martin. Welcome to Fallon Big R. My name is Braden. Welcome to Big R Friendly. Hi, I'm Kelly. Welcome to Big R Sparks. Forget the weather outside. There's a blizzard of points inside the Carson Valley Inn during the 15 million points giveaways. Drawings every Thursday and Saturday, including four 1 million point winners guaranteed. And don't miss the 2 million point grand prize giveaways. It's the 15 million points giveaways at the Carson Valley Inn. For 50 years, Nevada Heating has been keeping people comfortable in their home. At Nevada Heating, call the Do It Right guys and get the heat back on today. Call us today and we'll fix it today. That's the Nevada Heating way. Why freeze for days on end when Nevada Heating can get your furnace fixed today? Call us today and we'll fix it today at 323-5585 or schedule us on our website at nevadaheating.com. Save money and take transit. Did you know you can ride the bus all day for less than what it would cost you for a gallon of gas? Plan your trip now by going to rtcwashoe.com. Story County is leading Nevada. Home of the Tahoe Reno Industrial Center, Google, Tesla, Panasonic, and other world-leading companies. Story County provides thousands of tech, advanced manufacturing, and logistics careers for Nevadans. We're diversifying and driving Nevada's economy and generating millions in tax revenue and billions in economic activity across northern Nevada. Story County is leading Nevada's future. This is Nevada Newsmakers with host Sam Shad, a no-holds-barred political forum. Now, from the Nevada Newsmakers broadcast headquarters, here is Sam Shad. And back on Nevada Newsmakers, we are delighted to welcome back to the program the former state senator, James Settlemeyer, who is now director of the Nevada Department of Conservation and Natural Resources. It is so good to see you, my friend. Glad to be back on, Sam. Thank you. All right. So knowing that you are a rancher and you have the most beautiful ranch in the Carson Valley, and now you're at Conservation and Natural Resources, what were your expectations going in and what did you find and what have you been doing? Uh, well, with that, you know, the former director wasn't going to stay around. Governor Lombardo had contacted me and asked me to think about the position. We talked, uh, had to go through the full interview process, had to actually write a resume, which I hadn't done in 30-odd years. Uh, so that was an interesting thing to have to do once again. So in that respect, but he was, went through everything and selected me to be the head of the Department of Conservation and Natural Resources. Luckily, when I stepped in, we had a great deputy director in the form of Dominique Etchegoen. Now we've hired the other deputy, Chad Stevens. And in that respect, we're trying to go through some of the things, streamline the processes, and kind of get rid of some of the bottlenecks that individuals have run into within the agencies that exist, and also try to look for ways to streamline it to make it more friendly to the customers. But 
DCNR, the department, is fantastic. It has a great family feel to it. We all work one another very well. We have eight different entities within us, and we have four standalone programs. So from everything from Nevada Department of Environmental Protection to state parks, state lands, you know, just great people. Nevada Outdoor Recreation, Heritage, it's just wonderful. Great organization okay. as well as the NDF. So, so let me ask you this. Was that what you were expecting? Or were you expecting to go in there and it to be a giant battle? You know, it came to a situation, it was interesting that in the previous administration, a lot of people within the department didn't necessarily like some of the roadblocks that were being created, so they wanted to try to make it easier for the citizens and to be more involved in that respect. Uh, I didn't expect to have 900 employees. I didn't realize we were that large as an overall department. Yeah, I, I went to your website yesterday, just, you know, I always like to do a little research, and <laughs> which is shocking to some people. Um, but the number of divisions you have, it's huge, and it, and it just has a, a, such a broad range. Um, let me start with water, because obviously as a rancher yourself, and are you still ranching? Do you have time? Are you up at three in the morning? I still help out on the ranch, so I wake up in the morning and I try to help feed. And if I get off early, I try to go help out the ranch, you know, get things accomplished. But I had to step away from the ranch, so my brother-in-law and my daughter stepped up, my oldest. And so they've basically taken over the management of the ranch in that respect. So now I've just kind of become the helper for free because, I, you know, we don't draw a check from the ranch anymore. Okay. Um, let's talk about water. The uh, um, water rulings that are going on for the Coyote Springs area. Um, did that surprise you? Did that please you? What are your thoughts? You know, it was a historic ruling by the Supreme Huge. Court. Any time that you have a unanimous ruling in the Nevada Supreme Court, that doesn't happen. I mean, last time I saw that was in my case. Right. But that's a whole different story. Uh, that being said, it affirmed the state engineer's powers and rights to manage based upon priority, which is Nevada's fundamental water law. It's all based on seniority. So it affirmed that right to the aspect that if it's proven to affect other basins, he can manage them together. Some people try to use the terminology super basin. What it comes down to is just basically reconfiguring the basins to realize they're in relationship with one another. And in that particular one, when you have situations where somebody flicks on a switch for a well, and a mile away, the other well goes down by 20 feet, it doesn't matter if they're in different basins, they're clearly hydrographically linked. And so that affirmed his ability to do that. So in that respect, it was pivotal. Uh, it, it reaffirms his powers and rights. And it once again says that, you know, the state engineer knows his stuff. Yes, and, and you know, going back over the years that I've been involved in the news business, which is over 40 years now, um, we've been very lucky with our state water engineers that we've had some darn good ones and who really knew what they were doing. Um, how is this going to affect, do you believe, the development of Coyote Springs? Is that going to just remain a golf course and uh, no housing being built there? Or do you think that there, there is going to be a way for them to be able to develop that land? I believe there's always a way forward. It always comes to an aspect, unfortunately, it'll cost them more money than they thought. And will that hit a break-even point at this point in time? Or do land values have to increase more for it to be profitable? Or do they have to find different water around there to purchase in order to make it work out? Uh, a water law professor a long time ago told me, water's never really the limiting factor in growth. It has been and always will be money. And that's what it really comes down to, is the break-even People don't point. understand that. 
Because I, I talk to people all the time, and they say, well, you know, this place needs water, that place needs water, they can't grow. And I, and I always say, if you have the right amount of money, you'll be able to get the water. Um, but then, and, and, and I'm curious to get your take on this, you are now dealing with the environmental movement as part mm -hmm. of your job. How has that been? Well, you know, it's always been the same within the legislature. It's a balance. And I think that's what's key. We have to protect Nevada's natural resources, whether it be water, whether it be plants, or whether it be animals. And it's all a balance. We have to make sure that you have the ability to utilize resources, but not to the detriment of species or plants. So we're in the process of purchasing lands to protect threatened and endangered species through the DCNR, Department of Conservation and Natural Resources. And we're trying to create that balance, while at the same time still allowing businesses and individuals and property owners to utilize their properties. So it's just a balancing act. And most all of them understand that, and we work well together. It's fascinating that larger developers generally have environmental people that are doing that very thing, looking at the threatened and endangered species or properties and trying to figure out how to work with them and incorporate them into their projects. Let's take a break and then we'll come back and I, I want to explore this a little bit further. We'll be right back with James Settlemeyer after this time. The Nevada Builders Alliance has been protecting the interests of the construction industry for over 50 years. Our programs save members thousands of dollars every year and allow them to provide much needed benefits to their employees. Our industry also allows Nevada to grow. If you're thinking about a career in the construction industry, reach out. And if you haven't thought of a career in construction, what are you waiting for? We are the Nevada Builders Alliance. What do you count on? You count on your power every day. At NV Energy, we've always powered what's important to you. But we're not looking at the past. We're focused on the future. While our standards are high, our rates will remain low. And our commitment to renewables isn't just meeting standards, but leading the way because you can count on more than just your power. You can count on the company who brings it to you. That's our promise. You can count on it. Truck drivers are some of the hardest working people you'll meet, delivering over 70% of America's freight and 92% of Nevada's. When there's a natural disaster, they're delivering critical supplies to help those communities recover and rebuild. Every sector of the economy and our nation's military rely on truck drivers. So let's take a moment to say thank you. On the open road or city streets, our truck drivers are rolling to make our economy and our nation stronger. Trucking moves America forward. Take a look at Pro Group Management and see how your workers' comp requirements can be met head on. By taking a proactive approach, Pro Group can assure that your company is meeting or exceeding state and federal standards. As you move forward in your industry, Pro Group moves with you, simplifying regulatory tasks, clearing the way so you can get the job done and look to your future success. Pro Group Management, workers' comp that works for you. This is Nevada Newsmakers. And back on Nevada Newsmakers, we continue our conversation with James Settlemeyer. He is the director of the Nevada Department of Conservation and Natural Resources. In, in doing all the reading I do, it seems at times that there are some people as part of the environmental movement that really just don't want man to be able to progress. That, you know, we, we're seeing on a federal level that the federal government is looking at lithium mining in the state of Nevada and saying it's a national security issue. 
and we have all the things in place from the mining of the lithium to the recycling of the lithium, and yet it seems as though the minute a project is announced, uh, the land is purchased, there are certain people who are just going out there and trying to find, you know, a frog that no one's ever heard of or a plant that no one's ever heard of um, and making a deal that nothing can be touched because of this. What's, what's your take on this now that you're on the inside and dealing with that? Yeah. You know, if you look at the threatened endangered species, part of it comes down is if nobody's doing anything with the land, there's no threat. So as soon as someone announces that they're going to do something with it, well, now it's threatened. And so a lot of these species exist out there, and then all of a sudden it's when something gets approved or thought of that it brings it to the forefront. And that gets into the concept then, what do you do at that point? And I think it's important then you start looking at it, and are there ways to offset it? Are there ways to improve the environment for those threatened and endangered species through this development? And as part of that, you know, you go to like the sage-grouse, Ecosystem Technical Council, so they call it the SET. And in that respect, or the Sagebrush Ecosystem Council, SAC. So there's actually a team and then there's actually a commission. And that was started by Governor Sandoval a long time ago when it came to sage grouse. And what it tries to do is look at the areas and see where we can have uplift, so where someone could do an improvement to an area to make it more advantageous for the sage grouse. Then you have debits over here because their project may have a power pole. And we all want power, but it does have a detrimental effect to sage grouse because generally that creates a perch for the ravens. And that's the primary problem that we've run into with the sage grouse, in my opinion, is really the predator management. But that actually comes back to the Federal Migratory Bird Act because the raven is the national bird of Mexico. And so we have a limited amount of take uh, can be done on those particular species. Um, does evolution ever come into this? I mean, you know, not everything that existed the day the earth was formed still exists today, including man. You know, we've changed multiple times. What, what, what's your take on that as you deal with it within the department? You know, and uh, it brings up a very realistic aspect. There are certain species that over time just can't survive in certain areas. And so even as man, we can try to do our best to prevent that, but we can't stop it. We can't stop Mother Nature. We can't stop that from happening in certain instances. It may have had nothing to do with us to begin with, but yet we are still trying to actually preserve species that fundamentally will go extinct whether we do anything or not. And so to me, it's one of those balancing acts we have to look at and see, are these harms because of humanity? Is it something that we've done or are doing? And can we counteract it? Or is it something that, listen, this poor animal's major nemesis is life. It just doesn't want to survive. And sometimes we do run across that. And so we try to balance that working with the federal government as well. So, you know, I give as an example the Moapa Dace. Um, this has been going on for decades now. Uh, at one point they were down to 30 fish uh, because there were a bunch of uh, people that, you know, trampled through their, their breeding ground. Um, and then it's gone up to several hundred. But we're spending tens of millions of dollars on this. Is, in your opinion, is that appropriate? You know... It's happening, but is it appropriate? Yeah, it's a threatened and endangered species, so it's up to the federal government has made that call that we need to try to do our best to preserve it. Do I think it's the best utilization of money? 
I think that as an agriculturalist, uh, some people would not agree with this, but there is a point at which we need to look at things and go, how much money do we put into something versus the potential for return? And meaning, can we solve the problem? Uh, or will we be better off taking those fish out of that environment and take them to a private pond, breed them all there, and then release them back? Just as we've done with the Kamloop and also the Lahontan National Cutthroat Trout. Its major success has been because we've taken it to breeding grounds outside of its normal realm, then we've been able to solve it. Sometimes I think we have to think outside of the box in that respect. And with seeds, for example, um, in terms of saving plants, there are seed banks all over the world that if there is some nuclear catastrophe or something worse, unimaginable, um, that we would be able to start again because we have these seeds. Is there something wrong with that? I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I think another aspect of that is, is that the sub, 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 sub species. So you look at a particular plant and it's thriving and doing well. Well, then an offshoot is found and then everybody wants to protect that. Well, would that have offshoot survived or was it just a mutation that would run its course and go out versus, or is this a whole new subspecies that we need to protect? And as you look at things uh, within the different plant species, it's different varieties of alfalfa, let's say. Some just were created in a lab or, you know, or a mutation and they didn't work out and they died out. And sometimes that does occur. All right, let's take another break. Back with James Settlemeyer after this time out. Like a traditional handmade basket, retail is woven into the fabric of life in Nevada. From big box to mom and pop, retail supports our communities in countless ways. Jobs for the disabled, team uniforms for kids, help for the elderly, and so much more. Retail employs over 1 in 10 workers. Retail supports Nevada, and we support retail. R-A-N-N-V dot org. We're at Tamarack Casino at Nevada Steak with Chef Mike Mahoney. You have fabulous food here. This halibut is extraordinary. The halibut was awesome. It was fun to cook. You get a nice sear on top, and then we base that with a little bit of butter and garlic and herbs and stuff. It's, it's fabulous. It's a lot of butter. It and is. it looks really good, and it tastes even better. I'm trying this, which is the crab cake. You've got this crispy coating on the outside. What is that? Actually, that's cornflakes. Huh? Cornflakes. Really? Yes, sir. It, the crispiness of the cornflake just adds more crispiness to the already, you know, crispy crab cake. It's, it's awesome. It's my favorite, and I'm a crab cake fanatic. Okay, this I just tried for the first time. It's ahi tuna mm -hmm. in a whole different way. Ahi tuna, it's a tuna tartare. It's ground up. Uh, we mix it with a little bit of spicy mayo, a little avocado puree, and our house-made ponzu sauce in there as well. It tastes to me like sushi without the rice. It's, it's got all the flavorings, but it's absolutely delicious. Yeah, it's, it's amazing. All right, ribeye steak. Ribeye steak, classic. Harris Ranch, certified Angus beef. You can't go wrong with a good steak here. Uh, no, and that ribeye is particularly good. Um, again, we tried that earlier. Mm -hmm. It is fabulous. Yeah. The wedge salad. Um, I love a wedge salad that comes with a giant hunk of bacon on it. So you've got healthy and you've got bacon. A little How bit of indulgence. Wrong? Yeah, a little indulge. Uh, what's great about this one is the bacon is cooked fresh to order for every single salad. So it's nice and hot. Folks, you've got to come to Tamarack, the casino in South Reno. It is a fabulous place to begin with. It's made even more fabulous by Nevada Steak and your great food. Thank you for inviting us, and we will be coming back 
over and over because I'm in love with this tuna, I'm in love with the crab cake, well, the ribeye's pretty, well, the halibut. It's all good, folks. Just about everything. This is Nevada Newsmakers. And back on Nevada Newsmakers, we continue our conversation with former State Senator James Settlemeyer. He is now Director of the Nevada Department of Conservation and Natural Resources. Uh, tell us about the water buyback program. It was a lot of money, $100 million. Yeah, actually, what occurred originally within the former administration, $100 million was brought from the government through ARA funds, American Recovery Act funds, and it went into an account, and it went into what was called the Sewer and Water Infrastructure Account. When we looked at it through a technical advisory committee, it was felt that we could do a lot of good by actually buying out some water rights and basins that are over-appropriated. To do that, though, luckily Governor Lombardo and his administration was able to argue with the feds and say, listen, that was put in to that sewer and water structure account by a previous administration. We would like to take 25 million of that, as many other states are doing, for a water buyback program. And they argued with the governor about it, and luckily the governor prevailed and was able to take 25 million of that and put it over here for a water buyback program. And what we're looking at is basins that are over-appropriated and over-pumped. Sadly, some basins over time through previous state engineers are as much as 250, if not more, over-appropriated. And then all of a sudden they're chasing water. Some of them have exhausted 900 feet in depth and are trying to chase water down to 1,500 acre feet. And that's just, very problematic to say the least for everybody in that right. basin. So in that respect, we put out proposals asking people, okay, what type, you know, can you find water that can be purchased in key areas that are overpumped, overappropriated? Luckily our state engineer did a fantastic job of creating maps. You can go to the Nevada Department of Conservation and Natural Resources website, link it to the Division of Water Resources. Fantastic maps showing the overpumped, overappropriated basins. Okay, so let me ask you this, because um, you know, Senator Reid, as you know, was, a, I guess, many, many times on this program mm -hmm. over the last 30-plus years. And, um, and, you know, Walker Lake was, you know, a prime example of rights being over-appropriated so that it didn't matter how wet the winter was, that the water was never going to hit the lake. And what he worked on uh, here and in other areas was in taking land out of agriculture and, and allowing the, the lakes to be able to you know, get to a more normal height. Are you in favor of that? Well, one of the entities that I did apply for it was one was awarded was $4 million to the Walker Basin Conservancy. And, and again, in that objective is to not over pump that basin any more than is already done. And so they've been very successful. I think they have in the nature of 20 applicants for actually $36 million worth of applications for only $4 million. So then you go to like Diamond Valley that's over 250% over-appropriated. They've had tremendous interest in people. And, and that's a big farming region in the central portion of the state. Correct. And it will still remain in agriculture. It's just a different form of agriculture. So rather than trying to grow maybe three crops on center pivots or you know pumped water for alfalfa, you may decide or the rancher may decide. Instead, they're going to go to crested wheat. Will that bring them as much money? No. Will that still preserve that area so it doesn't burn up in a fire, but yet also provide some crops that he may be able to manage or she may be able to manage? Absolutely. So it gives them an option to change their agricultural operation. And yes, they will not be able to bring as much money forward, but maybe the money they're being given will be able to put it into an account 
and maybe they can find other assets that might be able to do return on investment. Uh, being a former agriculturist or being involved in agriculture, it doesn't make you a lot of money in any way, shape, or form. You, you could actually go buy some apartments and probably get a lot better return on investment. It's a lifestyle. It is. Um, it, it, it seems that, uh, um, you know, people don't realize how big agriculture is in the state of Nevada because we tend to think of it as a desert. Um, but is it still the third biggest industry in the state? Yes, and there are many Which ways. Which is amazing. It's diversifying from the phrase in Churchill County to what they were able to do with the concept of whiskey and bourbon and things of that nature. So we're all trying to diversify as agriculturists in the communities. And again, with, that with this water buyback program, it's going to create something so the ranchers can diversify and do something different, but maybe not use the resources of the water the way they once did because, again, they're over-appropriated and over-pumped in certain basins. Um, what's your interaction with the Southern Nevada Water Authority? Well, you know, they actually have a situation down there where they're trying to acquire some water rights from senior water rights and retire some of their junior water rights. So yes, we have interactions. They had a bill last session. Um, they worked a lot with AB 220, dealing with sewer water issues, whether it be buyback program of lawn or a conversion of people from septic tanks to sewer lines and trying to provide funding or provide rules for that to occur in distances. Um, are you familiar at all with what's going on with Ivanpah at this point in time? Correct. Um, I, I mean, I think this is, apart from this program, it's the, the biggest secret in the state, and I don't know why, uh, but it seems like it's, it's the biggest economic development program ever um, when it comes to fruition. Um, do you have concerns about the water uh, that will be needed to go down to the Ivanpah Valley? Well, the Ivanpah Basin, if you look at that area down there, there's actually a private person who owns the majority of the water. And in their analysis, and from what I've seen, it looks like it's enough for the potential development they're looking there, because you're not looking at homes potentially in Ivanpah, you're looking at businesses. And businesses traditionally use a lot less water. Well, I guess it depends what type of business right. you're looking at. Now, Commissioner Segeblum, who's now uh, the Clark County Chair, uh, was concerned about housing going all the way down the I-15 from Las Vegas to Ivanpah. Do you think that that's not realistic? I kind of doubt that. I, I think it's more of a situation where Clark County commissioners can control that. You know, if, if they don't want to, it's not currently zoned for homes. So in that respect, it'd be up to the Clark County commissioners if they chose to turn it into homes. But I would tend to agree with uh, former Senator, now Chairman Segerblum, in that respect, that maybe you don't want to have a ton of homes right next to the freeway, thus making it harder to get on and off, because there are several times of the day that that's not real fun down in that area. Probably after the most recent Super Bowl, it was a little bit crowded, to say the least. To say the least, and that's where we have to leave it. James Settlemeyer, always a pleasure to see you, my friend. Please come back soon. Will do. And we'll be right back. Imagine a magical garden that feeds Carson City's hungry and homeless teaches our high school students agriculture, creates hanging floral displays to beautify downtown, and yet charges nothing. It's not magic. It's the Greenhouse Project. It's real, it's growing, and it needs your help. Go online to carsoncitygreenhouse.org so together we can grow it forward. 
Modern Boutique Ahern Hotel and Event Center sits at the heart of the Las Vegas Strip. Two floors of meeting and event space are ideal for groups and conventions. Stay in one of 200 luxurious rooms and suites. Brand your event throughout the property. Flexible event spaces make for easy planning and personalization. Take over the entire hotel with a full buyout option. Thanks for watching Nevada Newsmakers. You can catch us online 24 hours a day at nevadanewsmakers.com or you can download the podcast wherever you like to get your podcast. We'll see you on the next broadcast.